everyone, Miss J here. I wanted to take some time and respond to your outstanding questions from my Share Your Truth recording of the Hairbrush Dagger. I'm really excited that we are doing this series with each of you, and I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to respond so insightfully and inquisitively to my own Share Your Truth podcast. With that said, I'm going to dive right in. So the first question I'm going to be addressing here is, do you miss being a part of that organization, SASA, and helping others? How did you get involved in so many organizations and how can I do the same in my community? So this is a bit of a two-parter, bit of a three-parter. I'm going to go ahead and address each part a bit individually. I definitely miss being a part of SASA in a lot of ways. On campus, there are more easily accessible opportunities to get involved and stay involved with this specific cause from educational facilitation to volunteering at local crisis centers. The ways to participate in an active way are just more readily available. I also just miss being able to collaborate with people in person. Nonetheless, my passion for advocacy surrounding this topic has not subsided, and there are so many ways to stay involved. As noted in the second part of this excellent question, I am certainly here as a resource if you have any questions about how you can participate in this cause. As a starting point, before I got to U of I, the first thing I did was start researching ways I could get involved. SASA caught my attention because it was student-led, but there are so many other volunteer and education center ways to participate in activism around this issue in particular. The same goes for Palatine High School, though. Looking into organizations at PHS like Spark, Students Against Violence, or even starting your own club can be a great place to start. There is also something called Northwest CASA in Arlington Heights, which is nice and close to us here at Palatine. This is a crisis center that does accept volunteers, so if you're feeling particularly passionate, reaching out to them is a great way to get involved. Finally, because of the pandemic, like most things, it can be tricky to get involved through in-person events right now, but things like social media campaigning, Zoom info sessions, petitioning, and the like have really sparked, even on a national level. So checking out ways to get involved through these accessible avenues is also always a great place to start. Alright, second question. Why go out at night? if bad things can happen. So I will say this question is one we could seriously do a deep dive on, but I'm going to try and dissect it in a brief way to start. What I can say in firsthand response to this is I had no choice. As a college student, I worked multiple jobs and one of those included a 1am to 4am shift at a residence hall front desk. I would take the bus from my apartment to work at around 1am 
and then ride back to my apartment at around 4am. There was no avoiding being out at night there. With that being said, I think it highlights the way that this type of question feeds into some common misperceptions, and that's okay, it's good to clarify these things. It's important to consider that we should all feel free to go out at night, whether it be for fun or out of necessity, and feel safe. As a society, we should prioritize preventing violence rather than framing the question around how a survivor could have just done something different to prevent something bad, we should center accountability on aggressors and remember that they were the ones at fault in exclusivity. Going out at night should be something we can do freely, regardless of gender or any other identity consideration leading to potential risk for personal safety. Be careful, no matter the time of day, and be conscious of how you can help others as well, all the time. Alright, third question here. It's got multiple parts to it. I'm going to just dive right in. First part here, do you feel like women's safety has increased or decreased throughout the years? Next little part here. What are some ways to help someone who's being harassed? This responder goes on to explain, I've seen videos of men going up to women who are being harassed and in the moment saying things like, oh hey, is this your water bottle? To get them out of that bad situation. But I'm not really sure what the best choice of action is. Now this is just such a great point and such an awesome question. So, for starters, Ms. Moreno and I have provided an infographic and resource guide that should be pretty helpful as a starting point, but I'm going to build on what's there and explain a little further here. Also, don't hesitate to reach out to me with any questions either. So, for the first part of this responder's question, there's a few things to unpack. First, I think it's essential to remember that these types of aggressions can happen to anyone at any time of day, whenever, and wherever. Often, the narrative we fall into framing is defaulting to women as survivors and men as perpetrators. But that's not always the case, and there must be room for survivors of all gender identities to have their truths validated. Nonetheless, this question does bring up a valid key point, and that is the fact that women are disproportionately impacted by these types of aggressions. Do I think it's gotten better since I started college and since I graduated? From a statistical standpoint, no. But from an awareness standpoint, it's getting there, step by step. There are more people who are learning how to intervene. And the more we spread awareness on the value of things like healthy relationships and consent, and the more we highlight things like accountability, the better things are going to get. It's just tiny little steps at a time. As for the second part of this question, it emphasizes something so important. Bystander intervention. 
on our infographic, there are great details on how to safely approach bystander intervention. But the example this responder gave is fantastic. One of my SASA friends actually experienced the positive impact of this type of bystander intervention firsthand. She was riding the bus home after a final exam at night, because yeah, in college you can have exams at night. And there was this person who would just not stop harassing her in very uncomfortable ways. Then a random guy came from the front of the bus and pretended to know her saying, hey, are you heading to the study session? Sweet, we can walk together. I'm freaking out about tomorrow's exam. I have no clue what's going on. Then at the next bus stop, they got off together and he checked to make sure she felt safe and okay. Then he rode the bus back with her to her actual bus stop and they parted ways. But she shares this story with so much enthusiasm because she felt incredibly safe simply because of effective bystander intervention. It's a great way to prevent situations from escalating. Just be sure your personal safety is kept in mind as well. Really great questions there. Thank you again so much for your outstanding questions. Please feel free to reach out with any additional questions or concerns, or if you'd just like to learn more. I look forward to listening in as you all share your truths as well.